and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andrei Degeler. The last in-person tech conference that I have been to was Tech Chill 2020 in Riga, and that was almost a year and a half ago. It was in February last year. So this year, this conference, Tech Chill, did not happen on its normal dates, that was in February, but it was postponed to May, and of course, the same as everything else, it was moved online. One traditional part of the conference that I was always interested in uh, was a startup competition that's called the 50 Founders Battle, because it always brings some interesting startups, interesting teams to look at. And last week, I went on to check out uh, uh, the winners of uh, this year's competition, and I ended up sitting down with uh, one of the winners, Sergei Yakimov, the founder of Longenesis. And Longenesis is a health tech startup that won uh, this year's B2B part of the 50 Founders Battle. So let us hear together what Sergey uh, has to say and what Longenesis is doing. Uh, let's just start with uh, with yourself. So w- what's your name and what you're doing, first of all? Right. So uh, my name is Sergey. I happen to be the CEO and co-founder of Longenesis. Co-founder for the last, well, two years, two and something years that Longenesis is of age. I technically come from the founder's background. So what I have done uh, before Longenesis can actually be quote-unquote, called, uh, in a way, serial entrepreneurship, right? Um, I actually started off my first startup uh, when I was 20, 22 or 23. I don't re- even remember anymore. Um, that was in engineering, so that was deep tech uh, venture. Uh, then quickly after that, me and my partner have co-founded the biotech startup, the very first biotech company uh, we had the exposure to. Where and with this company, we went all the way through, you know, raising the very first funds through clinical validation um, to actually getting the, it was a medical device company, getting the product out on the market. After this, I've spent a few years uh, working with other startups in the in the biotech area, specifically where I helped them out their clinical validation strategies and IP uh, protection strategies to raise the first funds, right? so to, to raise preclinical or seed funding whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then, and then one Genesis was co-founded, right? So, and this is where, this is where we teamed up together, all of our team. And um, all of us have worked with pharma, medical devices or clinical data. So we, we basically touched upon the, the clinical or, or medical or pharma industry, whatever you want to call it from very different angles. Yeah. And, and this is where we came together and sort of applied uh, all the, all the network that we had and all the common knowledge that we had. Right, to uh, to co-found the company, so that's my background, and that's the like the initial motivation behind the one Genesis, I guess. So I was really expecting to hear uh, something uh, along the lines of you've been in the biotech industry for a while, you studied the, anything uh, that's connected to the biotech. Uh, so what's uh, why did you choose to work uh, along this industry if this is not your sort of uh, trade from the get go? Uh, good, good question. So I actually don't have the matching education in in, in biotech. That's correct, right? Uh, I have an education in between. So my first MA is, is statistics and my second MA is law and finance. Uh, it, it just happened that way that I was interested in biotech uh, from the very beginning, right? And then, and then what I do is I, I normally embrace this concept of like anything can be learned, especially if you actually co-found the company in the space. This is where you don't have like four years at the university that you normally have, like you have, you know, a few months. Uh, to to actually grab grab the essence and then and then you you know and then you get the information in as you go. So the, this is how the first biotech exposure happened back in the days, right? So which was like six years ago, seven years ago, and it just all picked up from there. To be to be completely honest, that that's the story. Uh, you don't need to have the matching education, 
That's the bottom line of it. Even with deep tech startups, even with deep tech ventures, you don't have to have matching education. Sometimes you need to have uh, a bit of luck in, 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 in order to get relevant people on board. That's true, right? Uh, so you will need to hire talent and you will need to search for talent and motivate talent as co-founders or as first employees, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still doable. Nice. Now this is uh, this is really nice. So now we can move on to uh, the company itself. So what is Longenesis? Because I read this uh, sort of uh, headline uh, uh, sentence providing the industry with tools for prospective right. research and R and D acceleration, and I have zero clue what it means. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the the major motivation behind Longenesis. So when we all came together, what we wanted to address is we wanted to address essentially the the deficiencies or the inefficiencies. Uh, in how pharma or how the, well, the whole pharmaceutical industry basically sets up uh, clinical research, organizes clinical research. And, and clinical research as a research organization is basically the core of the process of getting the drugs to the market. So if you look at pharma in general, pharma is super inefficient in getting drugs to the market faster. Right. So with all the funding, with all the financial resources and all the knowledge, it still takes, you know, 10 years, 11 years to actually get the new drug certified for the market, right, for sales to end up in the pharmacy. And that's a long time. Right. And it's also very expensive. Right. So it's, it's billions, which are with billions, like five, six, seven billions. So what we came up with was, you know, our hypothesis was, well, wh wh why, why did it happen in the very first place? And, and the answer was most of this time. Uh, that that pharma uh, spends time and money that pharma spends is actually spent on clinical trials, okay? But then clinical trials, not in a way that it actually takes a lot of time to, you know, to, to do the trial with people. It takes a lot of time to find the people in the very first place. So most of the clinical trial costs and time are actually taken up by patient recruitment, right? So identifying patient cohorts, understanding where the patients are and getting them into the studies rather than doing the studies themselves, right? So, and this is where this is where the idea behind Longenesis was born. So what we have hypothesized was that, well, look, in order to speed up this process, what you need to do is you need to give clinical institutions, well, the clinical sites, basic, basically patient custodians, right? So hospitals, patient organizations, the ones that have access to people, you should give them the ability to compliantly showcase the patient reach that they have, right? So you should give them the ability to, to show the study sponsor community, pharma, essentially, uh, that they have these patients right there, right? Because it's a problem to locate them in the very first place. And you need to do it compliantly, right? You need to, to preserve the privacy. You, you should not get the data out of these institutions, right? So it should be 100% compliant. And then as a second step, what you should do is once you have identified these patients, you should be able to enroll them in the studies in a digital way. And that means asking for patient consent, right? Asking for any additional sort of pre-filtering questions, for these patients to actually get be eligible or or be labeled as non-eligible for the trial, et cetera, et cetera, right? So essentially, you need to be fully digitized in all this funnel there. And this is what Longenesis did, right? So what we have done is we have created our own string of products, two products, key key products that we have. Uh, they're called Longenesis Curator and Longenesis Themis. Longenesis Curator is basically what works as a major sort of patient identifier in a way, right? So it's it's uh, you can think of it as a data dashboard which is split in two parts where you have the data publishers and the sponsors interacting with each other. Data publishers are the clinical sites that are showcasing anonymized metadata about their patient reach, right? Uh, they are actually in control of whatever they're showcasing. That means that the hospital essentially has their own admin panel where they are controlling what type of data they're showcasing about their patients. And they're also processing all their requests 
from study sponsors. Study sponsors, on the other end, are using Curator essentially to query all these cohorts in real time, understand where the patients are, identify these patients, and send direct requests to the data publishers, right? So essentially, we facilitate this direct interaction between the two stakeholders, right? And then the second product of ours, One Genesis Teamis, that is the one that essentially helps to engage patients, right? So once you have identified them in Curator, uh, One Genesis Teamis is used by clinical institutions to get the patients in the study essentially, you know, record patient consent, ask any additional pre-filtering questions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what we have done is we have basically digitized this process end-to-end, A to Z, if you wish, right? So that's what OneGenesis is, right? And it's all fully compliant. You know, we are not touching the actual data. We're fully in line with their European regulations, which, which says that the data should stay local. So the, the hospitals are actually only showcasing their metadata items, which is data about data, if you wish in the anonymized manner, and it's minimally invasive. This is how we scale, and this is how we essentially get the uh, the stakeholders on board. Right, and the product is uh, fully uh, there now, so it's fully developed, it's uh, working, and you've got the first customers. Correct. So we, we are we are tweaking, of course, so we, we're still, we're, we're doing a lot of development now, right? So we're, we're still tweaking it, and we're making it better, uh, we're making it more usable, right? So we're making certain modifications for certain well, big organizations, for example, users of ours. But yeah, I mean, general terms, it is ready. It is monetized or being monetized, if you wish. And it is out there with the clients already. And who are your customers? So our customers are, we actually can can, can separate them, if you wish, into uh, three pillars. One pillar is governments, right? So this is where, this is where we have already worked with uh, the Latvian government and with the UAE government. In the UAE government, for example, we're providing the, the consent management system for one of their national projects. Then the second pillar is uh, biopharma, well, private companies essentially. So biopharma study sponsors. This is both pharma as well as CROs, right? So clinical research organizations that are scouting for patients on behalf of pharma. And then the third pillar is academic partnerships, right? And this is where we provide our tools to research consortiums around Europe, right? Which which we have, like we have several academic institutions already using our tools in Europe, for example. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's the that's the customer profile right there. And then on the on the data publisher side, these are patient organizations, these are hospitals, uh, clinical centers, essentially everyone, right, that has access either to data uh, or to patients uh, and and wish to you know to to showcase this access uh, to a study sponsor community. Right. And uh, how many how many customers are, do, do you have in each uh, pillar at the moment? Well, I think we're running. Uh, we actually went commercial like not not very long ago, like uh, you know maybe nine months ago or so. Um, so before that, we've spent a lot of time on, on development and iteration. Um, so we have um, quite a few active deployments with the major pharma already. So like four or five. We have two governmental clients. We have like more than seven academic partnerships, uh, consortiums, right? And we have. Uh, what, what we measure is also a metric which is called patient reach, right? So this is how many patients we can actually well, reach, right? <laughs> how many patients we can grab. And, and we're currently at, I mean, closer to 2 million patients. We want to finish the year with 10, right? So with 10 million patient reach. But yeah, that's that's a snapshot for you right there. So that sounds like a, like a pretty high number. So uh, did you have to raise, uh, raise external funding? Uh, that's the interesting story here. So uh, we actually haven't raised any external funding so far. So we have been shareholder funded prior. Uh, we have announced our first fundraising round, you know, maybe five months ago or so. And this is where we started to talk with uh, with VCs. The plan was to raise 1.5 mil uh, USD 
technically speaking, we already have it in commitments by this point, and we are doing it in convertible notes as we speak. The plan is to actually close it, uh, well, in like the coming week or so even, right? And, and, and move on, right? Because, well, funding, early stage funding as as good of attraction as as you can uh, as you can generate early stage funding is still it, it takes a lot of time uh, from the team right so the ambition here is to close it as fast as possible and just you know live live our life right and, and scale the company uh, rather than spend even even more time on, on doing it yeah and how big is the team right now so uh, we, we actually I think we actually got bigger from from tech chill even we should be around 15 people as, as we speak right now. And I also noticed that you've got these uh, headquarters in Latvia, but also headquarters in uh, Hong Kong. Why Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. What's the what was the story there? Historically, uh, th- this is this is the history part for Genesis. So first and foremost, this has started off with our relationship with Hong Kong Science Park uh, back in the day. So Hong Kong Science Park is this you know Silicon Valley of, of Asia basically, right? So and and we we got a spot there. Uh, when Longenesis was founded, and 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 we, it actually helped a lot with some early stage sort of industrial validation uh, for us. So that's that's the first uh, the first piece, and then the second piece is that one of our shareholders. So we have two corporate shareholders at Longenesis, one of which is in Silicon Medicine, and Silicon Medicine is I think well the leader in AI driven drug discovery right now, right? So they are they basically have you know uh, relationships with all the major pharma, and they have been pioneering the space. Uh, they are one of our co-founders, um, if you wish. And and then Solico is also stationed in Hong Kong, so they're headquartered in Hong Kong. Uh, and this is why we have created a company sort of to be closer uh, back in the days, you know, for, for this in, initial product buildup and, and validation, et cetera, et cetera, because Solico had well, much more experience with dealing with pharma anyway, uh, and we worked closer. So this is how this is how Hong Kong um, actually emerged. We get a lot of questions about it, by the way. But uh, what I can say, what I can say is that for thinking thinking from 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 VC's perspective, right, investing in a Hong Kong company is actually very convenient because if you think of Hong Kong and the regulations, Hong Kong is one of these jurisdictions which is super strict with your accounting, audit, and sort of all the transparency that is that is surrounding the business. So even the startup needs to be audited, you know, needs to be regulated, et cetera, et cetera. So for a VC, it's a no-brainer, essentially, because, well, you, you, like, you see everything through, even for due diligence purposes. It's, it's very convenient. You're all audited all over the place. Right. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. I think there are a couple of jurisdictions like this in Europe as well, where, uh, where the government does half of your due diligence for you. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, and uh, you mentioned Tech Chill, so that's about time to get uh, to that part. And I've been just wondering uh, during uh, this interview already, so you've been telling about the company and it's a reasonably big company uh, in terms of uh, financials, which is doing reasonably well uh, growing. So why even enter startup competitions? Well, I mean, there is a lot of there is a lot of motivation there. Well, first of all, Tech Chill is actually, like I think, the best startup competition in the Baltics. Right, so I mean, it's it's is the best organized for sure, right? And, and it has and it has all the all the right startup vibe to it, right? So it has all the all the right stakeholders that are relevant for startups or at least interesting for startups to to uh, you know to talk to, right? Um, so that's one. The other one is of course VC exposure, right? So the investment investment community exposure, um, that's important. Partners partner exposure. We actually you know had some kind of you know productive interactions. Uh, through the platform with with some of our potential customers, 
less from from the from the healthcare sector. Uh, that was also helpful. And then the third one is, I mean, the team, uh, the founding team is is all originally Latvian, right? So we we all historically from here, which means that you know participating in tech chill is something, you know, it's it's, it's something that 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 warms us uh, in a way, right? Uh, and and we want to participate in in our local competitions and our local uh, startup events. It is actually the second time, right? So in the first uh, in the in the previous year. We actually went all the way through the finals, but we we didn't win, right? So this was our second attempt uh, this year, and and well, uh, a successful one. I think categorization has changed a bit, right? Because you were the finalist in health tech, and now this time I think it's uh, you're B2B. 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 Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. So how was the online experience in general? Honestly, I, I think Techchill was again, and and this is not because Techchill is a Latvian event, right? I'm not I'm not saying it's because of that. Uh, I, I think it was one of it, it was one of the best organized out there. Honestly, like uh, we like the platform, we like the, the the Pine platform, right? The the messaging one. Uh, it was very comprehensive, and we you know we can compare it with with the others, right? All the way through, like when Genesis participates in 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 a lot of health tech events, very specific health tech events, all the way down to uh, JP Morgan Healthcare in San Francisco, right? And, and I can say that, you know, online wise, it was flawless, um, I think. Uh, you you do, of course, spend like, you know, more time recording the pitch and, and then less time with uh, interacting with people. And pitching on stage is actually something way different than, you know, just looking at yourself uh, pre-recorded <laughs> being played two times uh, in a row. But, you know, that's what you get, right? Um, so I think it was it was pretty much uh, spectacular, to be honest. Like, I don't know how it looked uh, from, from, the, from the background, all right? So how many, how many problems the organizers actually encountered? That I don't know. But from the surface of it, it looked very good. Right, I get it. So, uh, just to, to wrap it up, I'm always very curious about uh, these kind of industries uh, where I have like absolutely zero clue about, and uh, uh, the clinical trials uh, in uh, biopharma. That's uh, for sure something that I have never really experienced, never uh, dug into. So, if you were to give me like a primer on the industry and also on the competitive landscape uh, within like a few minutes, so, uh, what would it be? Was the industry like, and was the competition like for yourselves? I think the industry is still very old school. Most of the patient recruitment still happens through traditional CROs, clinical research organizations, which is the this, this you know old school analog practice uh, where you know patients are recruited over the phone, over the radio advertisements, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's it's like very you know 1960-ish uh, type of practice, and it it hasn't changed much. Uh, because it still relates on the personal connections with the doctors that the CROs have. And this is why CROs are very like local, right? Which means that if you hire a Latvian CRO, they will not be able to source anyone, any patients in Poland because they don't know any, anyone in Poland <laughs> for that matter, right? Uh, so so that's, uh, and, and we're looking at the era where these processes are starting to get digitized. But um, we are also in this very unique situation where you, at, at, in, in the, you know, on the one hand, you need to digitize these processes and it is a clear path for us to use clinical data to actually, you know, as pointers to patients on the one hand, but on the other hand, we're challenged by the regulation, right? Because clinical data is super sensitive and the regulation is being ramped up all the time in terms of how you can use clinical data. Can you ingest it? You know, do you need to keep it local? So, you know, the key, I think, to shape the industry, if you wish, is to 
keep the data local, but at the same time, give the stakeholders, you know, the, the opportunity to, to interact with each other. Uh, in terms of the competition, I mean, there have been several approaches uh, with patient recruitment specifically. None of this actually covers the, the, whole, the whole pipeline where you first identify and then you engage. So all of our competitors just try to identify. And most of them are trying to identify through actually ingesting the data out of the hospitals, right? So they come along, they say, we want to connect to your electronic health record system, and we want to ingest the data into our own cloud, right? And I mean, go try pitch something like this to a European hospital, you would be into a surprise. Uh, they, they would not do it, right? They, they, wouldn't, they are not allowed, they're too afraid to do it. Uh, so, um, and this is where we found our edge, right? So this is where we found our edge on how fast we scale, how fast we onboard uh, hospitals with this sort of zero hustle approach, um, if you wish, right? But but the competition is there uh, certainly, right? And 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 that also proves that you know there is an urge to change the practices in the industry. So you know it's a good thing. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sergey. So this was it for my questions. Once again, congratulations uh, for with uh, uh, on winning at uh, TechChill 2021. So I hope probably to hopefully to see you in person uh, at the next TechChill. I hope we are allowed. Yeah, likewise. I mean, thank you very much for for attending. And this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcast. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse. That is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are always very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.